Happy New Year. I'm Chris Hall and this is the Downtime Podcast, where we're going to be taking you deeper than ever into the gravity side of mountain biking. I wanted to take the time to say thank you to all of you, whether you're a regular listener, someone who listens now and again, someone who's been a guest on the show or a brand that supports what I'm doing. I'm really grateful for your support. Just before Christmas, Downtime passed 5 million downloads, which is a huge milestone that seems crazy now, but would have seemed even wilder when I started the podcast nearly six years ago. I also found out late last year that Downtime is in the top 1% most followed and most shared podcasts on the planet. That genuinely makes a massive difference as it's that popularity that helps me keep it going. So thank you and keep doing what you're doing. Listen, tell your mates about the show, share it in whatever way works for you and keep helping me make the best show that I can for you and all the Downtime listeners around the world. I'm super excited for 2023. There's going to be more episodes than ever with a couple of new projects kicking off, which I'll tell you more about in due course. We're going to be getting deeper under the skin of the sport than ever before. World Cup racing is going to be different with a discovery takeover, and I'm interested to see how that unfolds with the addition of enduro, changes to the schedule and more. We also have world champs in Fort William, which have produced some incredible racing, and it's going to be a really exciting season. I've also got a few racing plans myself too, which I'll tell you more about soon. Also, lots of you have been asking about ways in which you can help support the podcast. Well, I'm looking into Patreon more seriously, so perhaps that's something that will be available in the future. Until then, you can either get yourself some downtime merch from downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop, or you can subscribe to our bi-annual mountain bike journal, Downtime EP, which is a collaboration with the wonderful team over at Miss Spence Summers, who make the Downhill and Enduro yearbooks, Hurley Burley and the World Stage Book, which are also essentials for every mountain bike race fan. You can check that out over over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP. There's a couple of other things you can do too. You can follow or subscribe to the podcast by hitting the button in your podcast player or by heading to downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then you can leave us a review there and it helps other people find the show. Oh, and you can give me a follow on Instagram and Facebook where I'm at Downtime Podcast. All the links for all of that are over in the show notes for this episode on downtimepodcast.com. All right, it's time for the first episode of 2023 and I'm joined by a rider who's been at the top of our sport for a long time now and shows no signs of stopping, Miriam Nicole. As this was our first time chatting, we talk about Miriam's path into downhill racing and how she worked her way up from being what she calls a slow junior to a top factory rider. Hear about how Miriam has overcome injuries and dealt with the fear of jumping to become a multiple world champion. We also talk about concussion and the experience that Miriam had with that at the start of the 2022 season. So, without further ado, let's kick off 2023 with Miriam Nicole. Miriam Nicole, welcome to the Downtime Podcast. How's things? Yeah, thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm I'm really good, thank you. Good. I'm glad to hear it. And um, before we talk about your incredible riding career, um, let's start with this nickname. Uh, your well known as Pom Pom, but I'm not sure that many people know where that comes from. Can you just fill us in on that? <laughs> I kind of like that people doesn't know because it's uh, <laughs> it's more mysterious. So it's just that when I was uh, really young, I think uh, around six or seven, I was uh, riding horse, you know, and uh, as well as going to the um, mountain bike school. So I had a, a pony, and the name of the pony was Pom Pom. It was called Pom Pom. <laughs> And I used to go back home and like play with my three older brothers with pom-pom, pretending they were pom-pom. They, they say this is not really true today, but it was, I, I do remember really well. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
this this come from a pony. Amazing. Good stuff. So like you say, three older brothers. What was it like growing up uh, with those guys around you? It's been really cool. Like I... We've been fighting, loving each other. It's it's been like not boring at all. It was uh, it was special, but you know, it's like you're having some mates around you to ride bikes and to to help you teach uh, school and uh, and all the stuff. So it was like instead of having uh, one father, I had four. So it was uh, <laughs> it, it, it was a good time and. Um, Today I realize how cool this is to have some some girls around, and this is something maybe I would have wished to have, but uh, uh-huh. but you know, like uh, I I take it uh, what I had, and uh, it was cool, fun. Yeah, and it was your brothers that were were going off mountain bike racing, I think, and one day you went along to watch on uh, a little bike still with stabilizers on. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I had, uh, you know, there were not push bikes at this time and uh, you were, you would have to go with a stabilized and, uh, and the day after I, we removed them and, uh, and I did my first race. <laughs> so how old were you? You must have been really young. I was five. Yeah. yeah. I was five. Yeah. And in France, am I right in thinking you, you compete kind of in all the disciplines until you, is it 14 years old? Yeah, you uh, you compete all disciplines until you're 14. That's it, and then you have to choose between one of the cross country or downhill. Uh-huh. Do you think it helped then being kind of having that breadth of experience as a younger rider? Yeah, definitely. And also, you have to ride the same bike, so you know it. Uh, you have to ride with a cross country bike downhill, and uh, you know it's a it's a really good school. So when I look back, I think that. Um, all my good technical skills come from uh, this this path to um, to downhill, but of course, you know, like we didn't practice much at this time about jumping, and the other the other way to come to downhill would be BMX racing. So uh-huh. I've had some um, some issue a bit with uh, jumping. So it gave me a lot of technical stuff, but. Uh, but I struggled a bit with uh, with my jumping. Uh. Okay. We'll definitely talk about that in a little yeah. while because I think a lot of people, including myself, struggle with that. So yeah. what, what made you choose downhill then? Why did you go that route? I, you know, like uh, when you are around 12 to 14, um, I was a bit lazy and <laughs> how cool it was to, to go on the races with my brothers. We we would take the van and dance in the in the car and just like listen to some music. We would go camping and you know how it's done in, in the UK. It's the same. It's yeah. cool. All this national race are, are amazing. And um it was just like really fun. And I I yeah, I just so uh, I was loving it and to uh to improve in this discipline was good as well. You know, I could see that uh I could do some jump a little bit, like some drop. I remember we were going on some drop stuff and I was doing some higher and higher. And uh, yeah, it was, it was just fun time. So cross country at this time seems, seemed to me more serious and I was not too much into, into physical sport too much. You know, I was, uh, I was really not good at school when, uh, when it was about, um, <laughs> about running or, or 
all, all the stuff. And um, so this is why the fun part decided on me. <laughs> Sounds good to me. And you didn't you didn't take the plunge with a full suspension bike until you were sixteen, I think. And that happens to be a commensal and an Anne Caroline Chasson limited edition. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember when it, it was. Uh, under the Christmas tree when wow. I was <laughs> when I was younger, and the blanket. So yeah, it's uh, this is something that also I think gave me some good skills because you know when you have to learn to ride a French cup, and they are the same today than how they were back in the days. So you to learn how to ride them with the. Um, with um, a small bike, it's not not that easy. So yeah, this gave me good skills. But uh, today, the kids having full suspension helps as well. You know, it's a, a different school because the tracks are different, and so it's just a different way. Yeah, and the, you've got an awesome race scene there in France. How was it like in those early days? How was your performance, and did you see yourself at that stage progressing to racing World Cups and World Championships? Yeah, so there was this um, Mom Avalanche, they were called. So it was some downhill, like Avalanche Cup. It was like this scene, this scene and French Cup. Um, most of the time I was alone. <laughs> <laughs> when I was really young, it, it happens a few times that we were not three on the podium. <laughs> okay. So I, I learned to compare myself to the boys quite quick, you know, like when I was young. And today, I think this doesn't help too much because my expectations are really high sometimes. And uh, and to come back to compare yourself with some girls, it's what you have to do. But the tracks were good. And uh, yeah, it was just the beginning. It was just, a f- well, the beginning, you know. Um, they, they were on carros. I was still racing for 10 years, but... Uh, I remember that was like the sport was not how it is today. And for me, the big turn has been Peter Maritzburg in South Africa uh-huh. because uh, we had like that one minute pedaling section and and the sports with that minute became so much more professional. And okay. people, people started to train more and more because, you know, we had that, that thing that was so physical. You... And before you could just, with your technical things and your mental game, still do good. But then with that race, you had to you had to train. So it's uh, for me, it's kind of a turn that I see uh, in the sport. Interesting. I've never heard anyone else cite Mar- uh, Peter Maritzburg as the reason, but that makes sense. Well, this is for me like the the I, I had a seat post that would go up and down because I, I could not be able at this time to sprint for one minute. <laughs> so yeah, I, I have this feeling. This is my feeling that yeah, uh, before no. Peter Marit's book, I, I can't remember which year it was. Um, yeah, 2008 or nine, something mm-hmm. like that, yeah. Yeah, sounds about right. Well, you and your first kind of experience on the world stage, I think, was world champs at Fort William, was it two thousand and seven? Yes. How was that? So you were juniors, right? Yeah, I was a junior. That was the first time I would take the plane. <laughs> really? <laughs> it was like such a big experience, and um, with all the French teams, so I didn't do any walk up before, and I got qualified in the French team to to do this race. 
uh, that was a big experience. And, you know, to start the first international race with Fort William is like, ooh, oh, my God. <laughs> That's a tough one. Um, the weather was chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> I had a red flag, so I had to race twice Fort William. <laughs> and, uh, no, yeah, it was... Uh, it was such a good uh, experience. Mm-mm. Yeah, clearly it didn't put you off. And you picked up some support. Was it Aiton Giant Le Duap team that kind of got behind you and supported you through some of your junior career in those first elite years? Yeah, so I did, yeah, two years in junior with them in my first year in elite. And, um, and that was a big move. Uh, I was on the French Cup with the atmosphere I told you before with my brothers. And there was that manager, Sébastien Chauvet, that uh, that just started talking to me and uh, and seemed uh, really interesting in having me for the following season. I was really like looking at all these uh, stars. They were for me like really stars. Um, and I was really impressed to be part of this team. I think for the for, for the three years it was like oh, what what's happening and um, I could keep the good spirit of uh, being still with my brothers and and I feel that this is so important today when I see the kids going too quick into racings mm-hmm. that scares me a bit and I have the feeling this might be why at thirty two almost thirty three I am still um, having so much fun you know like I. I took it seriously quite late and and the first fun part of course is still here, but keeping your atmosphere the the, the longer you can is is definitely something important for me. Nice. And I've heard you say yourself that you were slow as a junior racer. Why do you think that was? Was it because you were kind of focusing more on just the experience and enjoying yourself? Or why do you what do you put it down to? I think you know, like my junior year and the first year of elite went so much better but in junior I was still the one that didn't like too much to train and I think it is also because I was just trying to train too much with my coach at this time was the same coach of Fabien Barrel and uh and that that might have been maybe just too much, you know, from the girl that really hates <laughs> sweating to uh, be training like Fabien, who has several world champs already at this time. Or yeah, so I guess when you ride downhill, you need some some technical skills, of course. But uh, I didn't have that uh, just that experience as well, and. Um, yeah, I, did, I, I didn't have enough experience. And when I was uh, in the winter before my first year in Elite, I remember I was like, this is a big change now. It's not like in cross-country where you have uh, three years to move from junior to being an Elite. In downhill, there is no time. So I took this time like training really hard and um, and giving all I had because I knew that I won't be, you know, at primary school anymore. This will be straight to college. So, <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And yeah, you stepped up into elite and you took your first World Cup podium in France in Le Bresse in 2009, where you were third behind Sabrina Jeanier and Tracy Mosley, I think. Did you feel then that you started to, to work the sport out? Do you think you'd kind of found the recipe? 
Yeah, you know what I remember from this race is uh, Nigel Page, who was at the bottom, and he was like really impressed on how I pedal because there were like a good sprint at the start, and he was like, "Ooh, on flat pedals, she went like <laughs> quite hard." And and after all the work I did that winter, I was really like, you know, when you work out and you have that kind of first result, it helped. But the the race just before um, just before La Bresse was South Africa, and I'm not sure if I even got to top ten. You know, so it was uh, La Bresse was really a good one. So yeah, it, it definitely you know when you're doing good, it helps. So when people asking how how I am doing to be where I am today, I'm like I have no idea. It's just like a process, and at this time, like when things goes well. You know, it motivates you and and then after some injuries, but you're loving it too much that you come back from injuries and it's just like this dance to learn. Yeah. So you've got your first podium and at some point in that season, you made the decision that you'd benefit from being on a on a bigger team with more of a setup. I think you were carrying a, maybe a shoulder injury, so not racing, but you decided to go to Schladming in 2009 and try and get yourself a, a bigger deal. Tell us, tell us how you approached that. Yes, so the team Aiton did stop and I was like, oh, what am I going to do next year? So I was injured. I hurt myself in Monsentan. Yeah, that was in Monsentan. I broke my scapula and I went to Schladming with all my press book, my portfolio, you know, like I was (laughs) in the pit, like I'm looking for a team and... Luckily, I went on the track and I was uh, with Thibaut Ruffin in the gondola. And um, and he was like, what are you up to? And I was like, how is the injury doing? And I was like, well, it's good, but I'm uh, looking for a team for next year. So I've talked to, to this one, this one. And then he was like, he didn't show any much interest. But uh, when I talked today with his mum, he went straight to see his mum and was like, we need to take her. <laughs> <laughs> and someone mom was like, a girl? No way. <laughs> like you is a girl. And <laughs> at this time that was like uh, that was a really small team. So she would expect uh, she she didn't expect him to come to the team and family and wanting, but uh, he believed in me since day one and uh, and that's how the story started and uh, and in 2010, I I did my first team camp in April. Yeah, and that's the team which is now effectively the Commonwealth Muckoff team. So you've been there kind of for a, for a, a long, long time. What was it like moving onto that bigger team at that time? It was still really like um, professional, but a good balance between my my student life, my family life, and that racing scenery. I didn't do this for, and still today, for money, or I didn't think that it would be too much professional. But, you know, I took it more seriously. And uh, it was good. Like, the first team camp was in April, and I met all the team, and we did write some crazy, gnarly stuff in the <laughs> The track, you don't want to do your first camp there. It's so steep. It's called the sanglier, which means um, the wild boar. <laughs> okay. 
And uh, yeah, so it, it went pretty well. And Flo, we, we did some some national race together. And then I did my first podium with them. I remember in Maribor, I I broke my chain and still got fourth, I think. So it was like really good start. So natural. And, and this atmosphere was really what I was looking for. It was the perfect move from... You know, not leaving that family, family things that is really important for me. Yeah, it's cool. I guess, like reflecting on it now, like the teams become more professional on a much bigger structure, kind of in tune with you over the years. Like as you're, uh-huh. you're you've personally wanted to get more serious about it, maybe more structured, more professional. Like you've kind of grown together with the team. It feels. Yeah, because I think Thibaut, uh, I don't know exactly when he created it, like two or two years ago or two two years before I arrived and he was with Damien Spagnolo. And then he, he started creating it with his brother Gaetan and then um, Remy joined us after, then Amory, Thibaut. So yeah, I've, I've really been part of the improvement and uh, that was uh, amazing to see all the big change and even with the sponsors and all all the things are still even today really growing yeah yeah it's awesome so it it was 2011 that your first world cup win came that was on Val de Sol on flat pedals i think Mm-mm. yeah How, tell us a bit about that because that's uh, that's not a track where well, I mean, I, I guess a few riders have done a flat pedal win there, but it's not the track you'd necessarily think of to be A, your first victory and B, your first victory on flats as well. Yeah. I have learned to ride bike on flats. So it's for me, it's uh, it's my comfort zone, you know, and riding Val Sol on flats is, uh, Val Sol was gnarly, maybe not as gnarly as it is today, but uh, for me, riding clips was just uh, a nightmare and, when you want to to push your limit, to commit to some gnarly section, I had the feelings that I wanted to be free, and for me, being on flat pedal helps to to be to to feel better on your bike. So when I moved to clips, it helps a lot, but it took me a, a while to to be comfortable with. Yeah. Did that win surprise you then? Or were you kind oh, of feeling no. feeling ready? No, yeah, I was really not expecting it. And, you know, I was even with um, the Ruffin's dad at the start. At this time, we didn't have enough mechanic to, to come to the top with all the riders. So I was with the dad and and the dad <laughs> jumped, he, he checked my bike and he could feel my, my, my shocks was not working really good and there was something wrong. But I could see that and I was like, oh, <laughs> does he really feel something? And I just did my run and, and won the race. So it was uh, it was amazing. And Rachel carrying me at the bottom was a, uh, it's something I will forever remember. Yeah, that's very cool. It was quite a long gap, right? I think it was six years between that first win and the next one, which came in Valnord in 2017. Mm-mm. Why do you think that that gap was so big and what was it like kind of tasting that success and then kind of having to fight for so long to repeat it? I think when you, when you win your first time to win again, it's, it's hard because your expectation are quite high and it's a a big mental game. And of 
of course, I've had some 2012, so the year after, I had a huge crash in Whistler on the last jump of the Canadian Open. And I think this is definitely where my fear from jumping arrived. Mm-hmm. And all this year has been a nightmare. For <laughs> Honestly, it's been a nightmare. I, it, it, it was a nightmare because I was loving riding bikes like crazy. But on every race, you have one or two jumps. And those one or two jumps would create some crazy things and I want I was like uh I'm I'm I am going to take the, the chicken line but I really want to do them but I know that I am too scared that I don't I don't feel my body ready to do this again. So um, yeah after 2012 it's been uh, but I was always around at uh, at the top but it was really hard to win again. Yeah, and they, the wins kind of came back to back, I think, in 17 after that Valnord one. And I think, am I right in saying, because you'd been studying to be a physiotherapist alongside yeah. your riding and you'd backed off the studying a little bit coming into 17. Is that right? Yeah, you're right. When So when 2013 to 2018, I was studying to become a physio. But I did the first year really intense. And at the end, I've tried to, because I was just exhausted and, you know, you have some work experience to do in the hospital, you have memory to write. So I took it easier from 2017. So it definitely helped to train more, take more more time to recover. And my days were not um, as a rush as how it was, you know, it it was really <laughs> like training like 6.30 a.m. in the morning and going to school, having the pressure of, you know, passing all, all the exams and um, doing your part of, uh, at this time, we were developing the new bike in 2015, I think. In California, I remember between each run, I was like studying, then doing a run, then studying. So, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is something, uh, not the good mix, but it did work. And uh, I have the feeling that I I could not be fully engaged into school or into racing. And I did like kind of this mix that is not, that doesn't feel really good. But then after that, I was free. And for me, this is why I feel good today. It's because I know I've done some study. I know I have a, I can be a physio tomorrow if I want to be a physio. So it's a, it's a, a it was a tough time. So I may, I might have not had some victory. There were definitely more injury. I broke a few bones in my hand. I broke three times my collarbone between this time. So <laughs> tough, tough, tough period. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I think 2017 was a season where you'd said to yourself that you wanted to try and get through uninjured and it seemed to work. You took that win at Valnord, you went back to back with another win at Lenzerheide. You took the overall, which must have felt incredible. And then we go off to world champs and you're on great form oh. in Cairns. <laughs> and at that point you'd not had the stripes before. Tell us a little bit about how Cairns unfolded because it was a, a pretty <laughs> unusual event, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, so all all the girls that 
could beat me on the paper crashed. So we were at the top with my mechanic and my mechanic like told me she crashed, she crashed, she crashed. You just have to do a safe run. And like 30 seconds before my start, the boys at the bottom told, told him, just tell her to go slow or just tell her to don't crash. And I was at the start, I was like, what? <laughs> so just to let you know how big of a mental game this sport is because I, I start and I was not like really focused. But so I didn't ride really good. I didn't crash <laughs> and I did pedal the best I could at the bottom. It was like a really, really long pedaling section. And I crossed the line 17. I was like, oof. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, the boys were like, well, you, did you crash? What happens? And I was like, no, you, you told me not to crash. I didn't crash. And... And they were wondering why I would pedal that much at the bottom, being that far on the time. <laughs> so after, but but me, I was convinced that it was not a good run and I was pissed off with myself. So I, I, I did believe it that I was 17. And then after two hours, that Simon from the UCI came to the pit and was like, it's been a mistake on the time. The boys went checking and after another extra hours, it ended up that I was second, 0 0.017 second. <laughs> no. So I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. I remember calling my mental coach and I was like, well, you know, if I had to win, I would have win. It's just like how it is. And I'm, I'm happy. I said I was 17 and I'm, I'm second and the best thing was that it was Miranda that won that day. And I really love Miranda. She's so awesome. And I was so happy to for her to take her, her first win at World Champs. So I, I wasn't pissed off. And I was just like, this is a joke. I don't know. I don't know if, if this is my real time or no. But I didn't have the perfect run. I end up second. And we took some lessons that from now I've told them I don't want to know anything before the race. That's fair comment. So yeah, yeah 20, 2017 was a, a really good season on paper. Mm -hmm. 2018 didn't go quite so well. You sustained a pretty horrible back injury in Val de Sol that year, right? I was leading the overall and Rachel was at, at, was doing really good this year, I remember. She was like on form and she was coming back from an injury she had in Cairns. So she had a bit of a struggle at the beginning of the year, but uh, but I was in the time of Rachel who did uh, perform really well the pre previous year. And uh, I remember I, was, I had the number one on my plate in Valisol and had this horrible crash on my back where there is that huge rock garden today. And um, after within an hour, my back, my back started to be huge. Like I really felt I had, um, I had the football um, in, my, in my back. It was like crazy big. And I started feeling really weak. So I, I had to go to the, to the hospital with the helicopter. And, uh, and it, it was, I think, the... So worst injury mentally because I got like 
really scared being at the hospital feeling the blood in my body <laughs> going oh. big, and the back being bigger and bigger I was scared and it um I was really lucky that it ended up it was just a huge bruise and uh yeah that was in um in July I think and uh and I still managed to be back in August. So I did some uh, some extra treatment. And it was this time that I was grateful that I did learn uh, about physiotherapists because it helped a lot at this time to 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 do the right treatment, uh, the best one, and to be really efficient with the recovery. And I, I went to La Bresse to start back racing in August and uh, in La Bresse, there was some big jump. And I remember really like uh, it was just too much, like <laughs> being uh, scared of the jump because I, after this crash, that was, this crash that was mentally tough. Um, so, yeah, I did. Uh, I did. I missed some race, Val Nord, uh, Leo Gang, and I did um, came back for La Bresse. I had a podium in La Bresse and I had a podium the weekend after I got third at World Champs. The weekend after, a few, a, a few weeks later, at World Champs in Lenzerheide. And this was uh, the race where Rachel killed it. Like she won by 10 seconds. It was yeah. amazing. So, yeah, it was like a, a tough, tough year. Really starting with a victory in Croatia was something really big for me because. Uh, on paper, the track was really not suiting me. I like the loamy and technical tracks, and <laughs> Croatia was so like a sprint, some big jumps, and all those rocks, rock garden. But then I remember, remember during track walks, what motivates me was like, okay, this is not the track you're really looking for. But a champion can be good on any track. So this is your challenge to be good on a track that doesn't suit you. <laughs> and that was that's what motivates me. And and I was really pleased to win this one. It's a good uh, good one. Yeah, I remember remember watching you in that and thinking, whoa, like Pom Pom's really going for it here. Like it, you could see the pace was so high. Yeah, it was incredible. And you made you made some some changes in that eighteen into nineteen off season. I think you moved trainer to I don't quite know how to pronounce his name, Nicholas Arshit. Arshot, yeah. Arshot, who also trains Loic, I think, yeah. and has a BMX uh, background. How did he change things for you? Was there was there a big change in your training there? Yeah, it was completely different. My old trainer, Mika, was more into road riding. So it was it, it has been really good for me. And also to come back back in 2012, it was mm, the time I was wanted to ride for Red Bull and the test to, to, to be a Red Bull athlete are quite high. So it was a, a really good to have Mika. But then I moved with Nicola to to have more of those uh, jumping skills and and it did help me a lot with this and uh, we did a, such a good job to be able to to be not as scared and to even have fun on the jumps so yeah and the the training program was so different than uh, than what I did and the big change was also that I could um train uh, as much as I want because I didn't have to go to school. I finished, I passed my tests in May, I think. So when I start training again 
in uh, in November. It was like there were lots of work, but uh, but I was really dedicated to to train. And of course, when you train uh, more and you have more time to recover, it's a it's a good mix. Yeah. So tell us a bit about this kind of overcoming the fear of jumping then, because I suffer with it. I'm sure a lot of other riders do. I have the same feeling like there's a track I can ride all of apart from those one or two jump features that freak me out and I'm on the beeline. Like, how did you go and work through that and get to the point where you had the confidence to, to hit and attack those features? I think it's the same then if you want to improve for him, for example, in the, your strengths in the gym, you have to, 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 for example, in the squat, if you want to, to go to 100 kilo, you have to go slowly, gently to 100. And with the jumps, that was the same. The key to, to don't be scared anymore was to have fun so, and to start small. So we did start with some really small jumps and it gave me some exercise at the pump track like just turn your bar and then we we went to um to some indoor park and just to do some uh, some jumping but really small and then i went to whistler as well to do some a good quantity of jumping but you know on beeline and just like going from slow to bigger and bigger and having fun like yeah, I think the best advice was to just move a bit on my bike and just like just turn the wheel a little and and then you're having fun and you find the confidence into into the fun things and I really didn't like to be in the air. I'm, I'm much more of a grounded person and now I I am enjoying to be in the air and I feel safe. Before I really didn't feel safe uh, when I was jumping. But to start to have to decompose the movement on small jumps and then you go bigger and bigger did help a lot. Yeah. Do you think that had an impact on your results just because you weren't losing time having to ride a beeline round a jump? Or do you think it helped improve like more generally your confidence on the bike as well? No, definitely more generally. And also the training that he made me do was more to to be more reactive and stronger. Uh, having more fun, so the approach was really perfect uh, in in a bigger picture. Yeah, amazing. So coming into 2019, then things are going pretty well. We've got a new coach. We're working on the jump in, and then there was kind of a series of events that really caused you some issues. The first of those, I think, was a broken wrist in testing at San Romolo, which you kind of kept quiet. Why? Why was that? <laughs> um. I can't remember. I can't remember why, <laughs> why I kept quiet. I was just, I was just exhausted because there was also um, a big strain on my ankle, and that was just too much. Like I had, but the first one was, yeah, that was a wrist. I I don't know. I don't know why I kept it really quiet and. Uh, it was, yeah, in San Remolo, I hit my pedal on the ground and just went over the bar. And I think it, it was not about keeping it quiet. It was just that I did an x-ray and they didn't find anything. And it took a while to realize with the scan that it was broken. And 
when it w- I remember I did a scan and two days after I went running, I went running because I was not able to ride my bikes. And then I tore my ankle really bad. Oh, and had this, so it's, it's just like, it's been just too much in a short time. So I, I didn't know if I had to talk about my wrist or about my ankle. And, uh, and yeah, it was like a, a tough time. And straight after that, it was my, it was my big injury on my foot. So yeah, it was, uh, I think it was just that I, I didn't, I, I could not do enough because of my study and I just wanted to do too much because I felt I had all days to, to train and I, I, I felt like I, I had all done so much for the last 10 years, being like at high school, then studying. And I just was like finally being able to train all day, but I was, uh, was just, I think a bit too much and. When I look back then, I <laughs> I talk about, a lot about the good mix, and that was not the good mix. It was just like too much, too much training. <laughs> I remember I was uh, I was like losing some some weight compared to compared to now now, and uh, yeah, it's it's good to find the right balance, and I have found it uh, after that, and and then after that I. I had my big injury. Yeah, let's let's talk a bit about that. So I think you went you were riding with Loic, weren't you, on a on a pretty windy day somewhere that and it caught you out. What what yeah, how did that happen? What was the crash? And then talk us through kind of the process from there a bit. It was uh two weeks before Maribor, uh um in April, eleventh of April, and I uh, we were training in La Grand So this is a track where there is a lot of jumps, almost only jumps, and I was really like enjoying to feel safer and safer on those jumps. And because I had this injury before, I think I did the mistake again to be in the same mood. I didn't have time, you know, to take the lesson, and I was a bit in the same mood of being just doing too much and being too hard with myself. And I was tired. It was my last run. It was windy. I was having, I was on my period. So the energy was not at the best. And um, I got caught by the wind. And it was a jump where I pulled. The boys are a bit scrubbing, but you know, my skills on jumping are still not <laughs> like at the best. I'm, I'm okay. I'm having fun, but I'm still not like doing some new sweeps or <laughs> scrubbing jumps. And I got caught by the wind and I really landed on my foot and put all the weight on, of my body on the foot. And the foot got uh, broken in uh, 100 pieces. It got dislocated. So straight away, I went to the hospital to um, to see a specialist. And I, I had surgery uh, during the night. And they told me that it was not looking good. And that uh, that even with the surgery, it would need uh, it would need uh, some uh, it it will last it will not last really good. So yeah, that was uh, after all this news. I was uh, I remember being in bed in hospital and being like, why is it worth it? You know, like you know, it's not like if it's my first injury. I was twenty nine at this time. 
And uh, and in the morning, I was like, after all injury, you you want to start again, and you you're looking for the plan. And I was really surprised that the surgeon told me I would not be able to do the following races, not even being able to do in June Fort William. That was in April. So I was like, oh, this might be serious. So they blocked my my articulation. And after two months, I had to go again. But this was a plan for another surgery. And uh, and yeah, that was a, a really long process of... Uh, of staying healthy because and and fit and I was planning to come back for for the world champ so that was a that was hard but you know when you have a goal it always helps I I was lucky to have some um, really good rehab center in France to to do some workout and and I put all the right action to to feel uh, to feel good, and I would jump back on the bike after that surgery in June. I had to go back to the center, and in in August I start riding bikes. I went to Whistler with my brother, so that was like kind of cool, you know, because uh, we still ride in the winter together for fun. But like going on a trip with my brother was like really cool and. I think it did came because, of course, he was really happy to do to go riding for himself. But uh, he was happy to to go, get along with me during this uh, this big challenge. <laughs> nice. Is it true that before the operation, you'd basically texted everybody and told them you were quitting? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> really. Like it was the first time that uh, it was just too much. And La Bresse already La Bresse the year before was really heavy and uh, and having this the three the, the wrist the ankle and the foot within one or two months was just like it's enough it's enough and uh, and it's not worth it but now when I look back I was like hey <laughs> that was just because you were doing a little too much <laughs> <laughs> cool. amazing be cool with yourself and everything will be fine <laughs> yeah well so you came into Whistler uh and and like the lead up to that Monsonan world champs I guess pretty relaxed by the sound of it you were riding with your brother you were having fun yeah. I think maybe Tani was out kind of also coming back and you guys rode together a little bit yeah. like how do you how did you feel coming into Monsonan world champs because that was your first race of the year it was really no pressure no pressure at all and and this is really good, you know, like I I am so happy about the result. But for me, that was kind of easy because when you're having no expectation, it's just like it's the best thing in the world. But I won the quality and, uh, <laughs> and the expectation were a bit like, oh, <laughs> is that true? <laughs> so it was like, it's a really cool story. And today when I look back, I'm like, oh, I wish we could have filmed more or or do some more um, of a good remember because, but I have it in my head and, and I didn't want it at this time to create too much around this rehab, rehab because for me, it's uh, if you make a story too big, then things are not as natural as they should be. And I was really happy um, to be just uh, having fun in Whistler, then keeping the progress progress alive, 
my coach and uh, and all of the people around me has been really into the process to to guide me to this event so it was a a really cool cool story yeah definitely and and also my guest to stand on the podium with tani you'd also mm. i think that season been coming back from from injuries you seem to have a really good relationship with tani i like is it hard to have a friendship with someone who's also like one of your biggest competitors? Yeah, this hasn't been in my um, in in the culture because with Sabrina, Tracy, Emmeline, uh, it it was doing well. You know, there were no tension, but I cannot say we were really like best friends. And for example, with Tani, I went on holidays with her last month, and I had Cami and Emily at home uh, last week. So it's uh, it's so much more different now. And uh, it, so we talk about it with Nina as well. It's it's just like during the, learning that during the race you have no friend, but outside of the race, you know, it's uh, we are we have a big community growing into um, the girls riding bikes so it's uh, i think it's really important for us to be all honest true to each other and and we both everybody knows that uh, when the when the time is on we, <laughs> we have no friends <laughs> good stuff <laughs> so let's fast forward to, to 2021 it's vow to soul world champs the gnarliest track we've ever had even by Valder soul standards i think um you'd come off the back of a win in maribor were you feeling it did you think that win was was yours to take the the the, the change this year was uh the french champs i had a good you know i didn't have much uh, uh competitors at this time but it was for me i was crashing a lot and uh, and it was hard to find a good balance and still today this is my big deal to find the right balance and i had a i had no pressure and i had a good run so from then i won maribor and then of course it did help to to go back to to valdisson and and win the title again and once you have a title, I feel it's easier to have another one because, you know, when you're looking for for something too much and you can have it, and once you have it, you're like, oh, I have it now. I'm world champ forever. So <laughs> let's just have <laughs> Yeah, you get to keep the stripes, right? That was not the same this year. That was my idea to come in the same mood, but it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Does it feel as good the second time? Does it feel different, yeah, it, better? It felt just totally different. The first time was more of a surprise and the second time was more like I've been training good, I've been doing things really perfect and, and it ended up being like a, like a, a good uh, good reward. Yeah. And people often talk about this kind of curse of the stripes and Greg, who won the men's stripes uh, on that weekend, definitely struggled the following week in Lenzerheide, but you cruised on through, took another incredible win there. <laughs> what do you think enabled you to do that? Cause there's a lot of media attention. There's a lot of people that want your time at that point and there's pressure, right? Yeah, but I think it's just because Greg went partying too hard after <laughs> and I'm a girl, so I'm more serious. I know we had a race the following week, but <laughs> so I was really looking for for that race as well in Lenzerheide the weekend after. Yeah, it's a track you uh, you 
historically go well at, right? Yeah, I, I like it there. Uh, I like the jump there. I I, I like it, and they, they did some good change. We had now a, a, a nice tip section, so I like it there, yeah. Yeah, cool. You had a pretty commanding lead in the overall coming into the final two rounds in Snowshoe, but you had that kind of strange crash uh, on a fairly innocuous looking part of the track that, that took you out of contention. What what happened? Do you even know yourself kind of what went on? I'm trying to remember what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, yeah, the world champs. And then after that was straight uh, snowshoe. Yeah, yeah. So you had the win in Lenzerheide, then, yeah, yeah. then it was snowshoe. Yeah, in snowshoe, I remember the crash during the race, but I did, uh, yeah, I didn't have one before, right? Yeah, yeah, it was in your in your uh, race run, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was like uh, I guess not managing well with the pressure, <laughs> you know, when you when you crash pedaling uh, on a flat. I I I really remember there were Gaetan cheering on me on the side, but that was me asking for for him to come and to to push me and help me during um, that sprint. But the thing is that. I had a second where I was like, can I sit down? No, you can't. And just the, the time of starting to sit down and stood up, you know, like it was loose and I, I lost the front wheel. So it was, uh, <laughs> I am really not, how do you say in English when you, you're not pissed off that much when you're losing? Um, normally I'm okay. But during one minute, I was really empty, 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 empty. Like, <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but then, yeah, it was, again, it was just like, if it, if it was supposed to happen, it would have happened. So it's, uh, it's like that. Where, where does this kind of mental strength come from? Because I think you have, as well as having the same physical coach as Loic, you also work with Philippe. Angers, yeah, who's yeah. uh, Loic's mental coach as well. Like, yeah. is there work that you do with him that helps you deal with things like that and kind of move on from events that haven't gone your way? I think this is more part of who I am and uh, my identity. But of but with uh, with Phil, we are working to to manage whole season and to take some lesson from what happened and and to deal with the following race. So it's a, a really good, uh, good work to deal with your energy, your emotions. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's more of a work yeah, you do during the off season. And then when you come into the race, it's just like, uh, it's just like adjusting things. Yeah. So do you like program in mental work as well as physical work in the in your off season like and and are those sessions just you doing something or are they with him like what might that look like yeah well there is some base and i did learn the base at the beginning and now it's more about uh going back to to the base or just sharing on on an experience but yeah it's exactly the same as working physically of course you're not i'm not working my brain as much of uh, <laughs> of what i do uh, every week but uh, it's uh, it's it's more and more important yeah interesting so you kicked off the 2022 season with i guess a pretty tough weekend in lords tell us a bit about about that because it was a uh, it was a pretty wild track 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, in Nord, uh, it was the opening of the World Cup. In France, it was such a good track, amazing work, good crowds. I've never seen that many French people on track. Uh, from top to bottom, you could hear people cheering at you. And the day before, so I got, I qualified, can't, can't even remember. Yeah, I was struggling a bit with some big rocks at the start and I could manage on final day to 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 do them properly and I just wanted to change small lines but you know not a big deal I just wanted to try like the junior of the team was doing this and I was like oh I'm gonna try <laughs> it was early in the morning and it was a bit um, tricky because you had to go for a pole And it was kind of wet and I slide my front wheel and crash. My first first thing was the head and I didn't have time to put my my hands on the ground. So it was pretty brutal. I stood up and I was like, ooh, that was a that was a big one. But but nothing really crazy. So I took some time and my helmet was full of mud and I had mud everywhere. And I took um, 15 to 20 minutes. Um, I was not feeling so good, so I went down. I could still do the last jump. And I went to the pit, and I was feeling a bit funny. Really, that the world. I was feeling funny. And you know that kind of feeling? You don't know if it's because you've been really scared or because it's just too early in the morning and crashing on your head at uh, 8.30 in the morning is <laughs> like not the best feeling ever. And you have the adrenaline of at the opening of the World Cup. It's in France. No way I'm not going to feel good right now two hours before the race. Yeah. So the physio of the team did all the all the tests to see, you know, if there is like um, a, a severe injury on your brain, like if there is a big bruise, something dangerous, and I, I passed them all. But I I started having a headache and I got funny um, with some question, like I was not. I was a bit uh, a bit lost, mm-hmm. so I lay down in bed, and of course, I did told everybody I was feeling good <laughs> because I was like, if you start to worry people, then they'll worry for you. So I was like, it's fine. I just have a small headache, and I called the doctor of the team, and he was like, well, if it's just a headache, it's okay, and it happens again a few months later in Monsentan. And I called the neurologist. She was like, if it's just a headache, it's okay. But just like listen to your body and it should not be something else than a headache. Mm-hmm. And the headache should not improve, uh, improve, like get, get bigger. Yeah. So yeah, it was like the plan was just to do my warm up and to listen to my body. But the thing is that when the adrenaline is just too high, you can, it's magic. You can have a pain in your <laughs> in the foot or whatever when you're too focused and when you want to do good, it's it's okay. So I did I did the race. I <laughs> almost crashed and and imagine if I had crashed, that would have been a big issue. Because uh-huh. in this case, when you have a concussion, this is a second crash that that can cause some big damage in yeah. the future. 
so yeah, I did the race, and at that at that point, I really didn't think it was a concussion. Even though I've been learning to be a physio, this is something kind of new. And when I did the, my study, we didn't talk that much about it, and and I I never faced that, so I, it was something new for me. It was really warm and lots of people, and then we yeah, it was it was really intense. And in the day after, I had planned to go and do uh, um, an injection on my foot because the whole winter had been a, a big struggle for me because of the, this foot injury I had uh, three years ago. And I was really look, looking forward for this injection. So I drove from Lourdes to Lyon where I had the injection and from Lyon to home. And when you have a concussion, this is really what you should not do. Like driving is really bad because you have to rest physically, but you also have to rest mentally. Uh-huh. And just driving, you're not resting because you're focused on, on what you're doing. So I went home and after one week resting because of my foot injection, I went to see my um, I, I called the doctor and was like, the injection didn't work. And we were like, mm, interesting. So we will do another one and um, with an, another kind of, uh, another type. So I did the other one and I start calling Bruno Boussagol, who is the, a physio of the rugby French team. And he had always helped me, you know, like we talk about the back injuries and he was the one that fixed all my problems. So I was like, I've I've had struggle with my foot, two injection is not working. I can't walk anymore. I can go to the supermarket. Like it was a big nightmare. I could not do anything with this foot. So I went to see him and I was like, since I crash in load, I have horrible headache days and night, but this is nothing compared to my food. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was like, well, I, I am a lot into concussion because, of course, in, in rugby, they know a lot about this. And, and, and all the symptoms I was describing was about this concussion. So we moved the treatment of my foot to really resting my body. So I had to do another rest, another week of resting. And then uh, the protocol was to do 20 minutes, then one or two day off, then 30 minutes. And it was like just hard for me to do this. And I felt like I had a jacuzzi in my head. It was boiling and bad headache for five weeks. And uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's just like if it, it would not have been like this, I guess, if straight after the crash, I would have rest mentally, physically, and uh, and and the, the, I've been really lucky to don't crash another time. So, for the people listening, this is a three thing I, I, three advice is just to really don't crash another time until you have symptoms. And rest mentally and physically, and then yeah, and then things go well. But this is why it lasts for five weeks. That's pretty scary, hey. So, do you think you do? Would you respond differently now to that crash you had in the morning? Now that you've learned all of this stuff, yes, this is really. Uh, you know, I got second on the race, so this was good. But the the damage it can create in case of of uh, of having to crash too 
too close to each other can be quite bad. So yeah, of course now, now it happens. I I am more aware of it and uh, meeting some good neurologists that works in football and rugby helped me a lot to to get to know a bit more this commotion and how crazy it's been that Finn had one, Tani has one, like. Of course, people are like, we've never talked about it. And now everybody talk about it. And I, I, I really, I am like, it's crazy because <laughs> I didn't face this. And I've been riding my bike since I'm five years old. But maybe because the tracks are faster and faster. Or for me, I think I crashed like front of, of my helmet. And this is not a place I'm used to crash. Uh-huh. So it's just like, yeah, and symptoms can be really different. Tani have some had some anxiety and uh, and some other symptoms. Finn was feeling sick all the time. So yeah, it can can be different from one to another. Yeah, it's crazy. Huh? And it's great that, that a lot of you are being really open about it because it's not necessarily easy to share some of this stuff, but it's really yeah. important that I think everyone hears it and understands yeah. what to look out for and how much risk is there? You mentioned your foot then. Is that Does that still give you mm-hmm. problems? Like, do you still have issues with that when it comes to riding, racing and normal life? Like- yeah, so I had to take anti-inflammatory because injection didn't work. So the surgeon and all the people that are helping with this injury have the same uh, it's the same, uh, they, they know the answer is that we have to block the two bones because there is too much of an arthrosis. It's, it's too damaged because the, the, the break was really badly broken, a hundred piece. And the solution is to block the two bones. But blocking the two bones means it's like a six months to one year recovery. And and my foot, of course, won't have the mobility it has today. So after the winter, last winter, where it was just too much, I was like, we have long breaks this off season, so I'm going to plan to do this surgery because it's I can't do another winter like that. And uh, yeah, September month has been <laughs> has no rest, just uh, lots of appointments to know is I would do the surgery or no. And it ended up that uh, I did another injection with uh, the radiologist of uh, Rafael Nadal. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So a guy that has injected him um, back in the days in Roland Garros. (laughs) And it did work. I don't know if it's mentally that to know that it was like he had injected a star. (laughs) But no, it did work. So I I am still, I have to adapt all the things now. That's why at the beginning you could see me with a scooter in the pits (laughs) all the time. It's because I have to avoid walking. I of course can't uh, can't run anymore, and um, and the thing it was like it might feel better on your your bike. You might not have pain anymore, but it it is going to be a tricky one regarding the mobility and walking the tracks. It would be an issue, so yeah. because your foot won't be able to adapt to all these things, so. It, it was a really good uh, thing that for three weeks it was magical. I didn't have pain and uh, and it's going to be good because uh, we know uh, we know 
I don't have to take painkillers all the time for the following years. That's good stuff. Fantastic. And you had some some pretty incredible performances this season, despite that really rough start to the year. You took a win at Lenzerheide and again at the final round on, I think, the most gnarly track we've ever seen at Val de Sol. It wasn't quite enough to keep Cami away from the overall title this year. Um, reflecting back now on the season, like how do you feel about it? You mentioned earlier that you're stri- striving to find this balance between the speed required to win versus yeah. kind of staying on the bike, I guess, like that fine line that a lot of people try and try and find. I have the feeling that I was not um, as well prepared physically as I was the year before because, um, because well, I had COVID and that lasts a bit long, long, but I guess everybody had COVID and knows the feeling that he has been. But this concussion... Uh, it was not like any other injury where you can still manage to train a tiny bit. It was like just being five weeks doing nothing because because it was not possible. And I, if I look back now, I think I was not feeling as strong as I used I used to because of this. And mentally, to it's it's a it was a tough game. So. It's been some ups and downs, and uh, yeah, it was like Cami. She broke her collarbone, and she managed to win the overall. That was just crazy, and uh, and the world champs in France is a really big struggle to perform at home, and uh, uh, and I won the quali with six seconds, I think. So it's always like. It's hard, you know, when you're winning with that much advance of quality. So it might be maybe because I give a bit too much, but <laughs> me, when there is a time, I always want to give my best, even if it's a, just a small race or world champs in France, I would still do the same, you know. <laughs> it feels like the, the dynamic of the women's field is kind of a bit different these days, right? We had these big periods in history of really dominant riders mm-hmm. taking kind of taking control of it for a chunk of time. And now it feels more balanced, like there's more riders that can win, more riders that can get on the podium. Um, and it feels like no one's got like so much speed that they can kind of hold back and still win, which maybe happened a little bit in the past. Like, would you agree with that? How do you feel about it? I think it's because... Uh... Because, you know, like the level is more homogene now. Um, Valley, for example, is from the generation that has been uh, on a bike park and, for example, on a full suspension bike forever. And uh, and now you can uh, you can see how the level is more like, yeah, all together. And, uh, and I think it's really good racing for everybody because everybody push their limits physically and technically so it's uh it's hard to make the difference now yeah it definitely feels like it's stepping up like every year it's getting getting more and more competitive in that field which is really cool to see yeah exactly this is uh this is amazing the atmosphere is great there is some great racing um you know, you never know what to expect. And Cami, she's been amazing. When you look back, like when she first won World Champs in Leogang, it was like such a big surprise. And a lot of people talked about luck, but she proved the opposite. And she's now like uh, so good on the bike. 
risk. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting season. Is it? Is that kind of increased competitive competitiveness part of what keeps you coming back? Because, you know, like you say, you're struggling with your foot still causing you problems. It must be hard to find that motivation to keep training hard through the winters, deal with the ongoing impact and pain of some of these injuries. What is it that, that drives you to keep going? Yeah, just like so the base of the sport and the, I love to go, you know, to push my limits and to go as fast as I can. And uh, I'm still performing if the day where I feel like where how I was feeling, being too scared of something or not having fun anymore. But uh, today it's like really fun times to to share with my team, Comensal Makov, some some uh, time together to improve all the time it's uh it yeah it's i'm, I'm just loving it so you know <laughs> I, I have i have no reason to stop now <laughs> that's awesome and yeah coming into 23 then we've got some some big changes coming we're moving from red bull um kind of sorting the coverage and providing us that to discovery taking over that how do you feel about that and if you were going to change some stuff what would you look to to improve or change I, I think that they seems really motivated to to do good for the sport. So they want to, to have a better show. Um, they want to have some safer tracks. So we will see how it goes. It's hard to, to know. My first feeling is that we are a bit scared because we don't know how it's going to be. So I'm, I'm going to be Rob Rohner for, for sure. And... Uh, but but this seems to be doing such a good job, so I'm really looking forward um, to to what they do. But uh, I'm confident that they will do a great job. Um, I I had the chance to be involved in some of their groups, and what Greg and I have shared was really to improve the safety on the track with the technical delegate having a bigger team making the, the track safer and the regulation with concussion stronger as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, safe to the safety is, uh, one of my, of my big thing. Yeah. Yeah. It would be good to see, uh, see injuries getting reduced and no one having, uh, having horrible injuries. It's never nice to see. So what about you like personally for next season and what are your, what are your hopes and dreams for, for 2023? Mm-hmm. I have won World Champs, I have won the overall, but never won both in the same year. <laughs> okay, you're going big. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, there is no Olympic Games, so I guess this is my next thing to, to stick. That was my goal last year and I didn't get any of the overall or World Champs, so it's uh, another, another year, another chance. Yeah, definitely. And it's going to be super exciting. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it already. It's a shame we've got to wait so long, but yeah. I'm sure it'll come around quickly. Yeah. Um we should uh we should start to wrap up. We're going to go for our final four questions that we ask everybody. The first of those is if our listeners had 150 pounds, which is about 175 euros to improve their performance on a bike, what would you recommend they go and spend it on? 175 um, I would go. For, <laughs> I'm not really good at how much costs anything because I'm lucky enough to don't pay too much. But I would go for tires, of course. Uh huh. 
and uh, because the grip on tires, like my Schwalbe tires, it's so important. And I think uh, it's gonna be it. No, with that, with that money. Okay. What's your go? What's your go-to from the Schwalbe range? What do you run most of the time? From the what? From the Schwalbe tire I'm range. Sorry. What what product do you use mostly? Magic Murray or Magic Mimi? Yeah, front <laughs> and rear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, did they do you custom yeah. Magic Mimis yeah. for Worlds? Is that right? Yeah, <laughs> seem to remember that. Yeah. Awesome. All right, second question. If you could wind back the clock and sit down with yourself age 16, what advice would you give her? <sighs> to, 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 to believe in your goal and to to be reasonable with uh, with the good mix you know like all the injury i've had was most of them being just too much or a lack of training so just having the good mix and uh, and yeah just have fun that's but that's what i did no at <laughs> some point you worked it out I, yeah yeah i work it out it's been ups and down but if i could have had to avoid some of my injuries i would have been good so yeah it's just like hey there is no rush everything work out do you have anything now that helps you know whether your balance is right are there certain things that you keep an eye on or feelings that you look out for yes this is what we are le- learning in them with the mental coach like you talked before it's just like if you had a horrible night or if you're really feeling weak, um, why, why pushing on your bike uh, the following days? You know, it's just like listening to your body more and more and and to all the strong male training really hard and pushing their limits. I think it's really important to have a good balance with some more uh, gentle practice like yoga or, or stretching, just like, it's important when you do some gnarly things to 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 have a good balance with another activity. Yeah, yin and yang, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Third one. If you could have a coaching session from anyone, past or present, who would it be, and what would you want to learn from them? Uh, I've been really lucky enough to benefit from Anne Caroline Chausson uh, coaching. Like she she's been writing the same commensal forever as well so it's been really helpful to share with her and uh um who else i really uh, admire lindsay von skiing and okay and her career she's had so i would be really interesting to share with her yeah definitely mm-hmm. all right last one what do you do every day that you feel benefits you <laughs> my waffle <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. we should we should say that this is what i i asked you before we started what you'd had for breakfast and you, every day you have a waffle right no yeah it's, it doesn't change much i've tried to change but this is what gave me the energy i need every morning <laughs> if it ain't broke don't fix it <laughs> yeah Amazing. Good stuff, Miriam. Well, it's been really interesting chatting and hearing about your incredible career so far. I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes over the coming months and years. 2023 is no doubt going to be an exciting season. If people want to follow you through it, where is the best place for them to look? Instagram. Okay. And you're at Miriam Nicole? Yeah. And nice. Uh, underscore. 
Perfect. I'll put a link in the show notes so people cool. can find that. But yeah, thanks so much for your time. All the best for next uh, next season. And uh, see you at some races. Thank you. <laughs> nice one. Thanks, Miriam. Bye. All right, that's it for this episode with Miriam. I really hope you've enjoyed it. There's a lot more awesome content coming your way over the course of 2023. So make sure you're following the podcast by hitting that button in your podcast app or head into downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe. If you want to support the podcast, then you can do that by telling your friends about the show, sharing the podcast on your social media, grabbing yourself some merch at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop, subscribing to our biannual mountain bike journal, Downtime EP, over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP, or leaving us a review over on Apple Podcasts. That's it for today. We're going to have another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until next time, get out and ride. (laughs) 